Hi, this is Kevin Doherty, your host with Just Thinking. I am the Chief Strategy Officer for 806 Technologies, and this is our third installment of Just Thinking, and I have some very special guests today. Recently, I was in my home state of Massachusetts for a case conference. It's a conference of state and federal programs directors, and it happened to be in beautiful Chatham, Massachusetts. And so it's great to be there and meet lots of wonderful educators throughout Massachusetts, but also get to tag on a visit with family as well. So, but while I was there, I had an, a conversation with uh, Lori Regan, who's the assistant superintendent in Attleboro, Massachusetts. And she just has an amazing spirit. She was so positive and uplifting. And we we're talking about a pretty heavy topic because the speaker, the keynote speaker was talking about the suspension rates across the nation and what we can do to uh, diminish the suspension rates and also not fuel the school to prison um, pipeline. So it was a great, uh, rich conversation. And in the course of that conversation, she shared with me some amazing work that is happening in Attleboro Public Schools. And at the lead of a gentleman, Toby, that she mentioned to me, she's like, you need to talk to Toby. Toby will love to share with you what he's doing. So she texted him and it was a day later or so that I was talking to Toby and I am delighted to have the opportunity to introduce Toby and another special guest to you. So Toby, would you uh, tell our viewers and listeners who you are and what you do? Thank you, Kevin. Uh, my name is Toby Reed. I'm the criminal justice instructor at Attleboro Public Schools. I've been teaching for 25 years and this is my seventh year in the criminal justice program. It's a three-year program in their, our career technical education department where students uh, go through exploratory in their freshman year, and then if they're interested in one of the programs, they sign up. And then I have them for sophomore, junior, and senior year. So I have the same students for three years in a row, uh, students who are interested in careers in the criminal justice field. It's a fantastic position. I'm one of the luckiest people in the world, and uh, I have a lot of fantastic students, and I'd like to throw over to one of them. So uh, one of my former students graduated last year. Uh, Peter's here. Peter, would you mind just introducing yourself? Awesome. Yeah, so um, I'm Peter Del Pozo. I'm currently a freshman at Norwich University. I'm studying criminal justice. Um, I hope to one day go into federal law enforcement. That's like my dream job. And um, yeah, I graduated from Adderall class of 2023. And I took criminal justice the three years I was there. And I was um, one of the students last year that helped develop what we're going to talk about. Awesome. Today, so. Well, I can't wait to hear about it more and for everybody that's viewing and listening to this podcast to get to uh, see and hear more about this as well. So tell us what it is. At its basic, simple level, it is a uh, we've, we started a student court that is 100 percent student led. It is was created by students. Uh, we have student judge, student clerk, student bailiffs, student lawyers, uh, student jury, and any infractions in the building uh, that we can hear. The student has the right to come down and be heard in an open court of their peers. And then they're given a uh, adjudication based on restorative practices rather than just punishing them. I love that. You know, I'm curious, Toby, as you're talking about that, uh, I've been visiting with conferences throughout the nation, and one of the top challenges and concerns across the nation is chronic absenteeism. Mm -hmm. 
So we have kids that are not wanting to come back to school. Um, and this seems to have uh, increased since the pandemic. So um, how do you think a program like this is impacting uh, student engagement and desire to be in school? For the students running it or for the students being adjudicated through it? Uh, the ones that are running it. Okay. And they, they um, uh, I feel like the students who are running this program, uh, this is a, at this point, this is kind of a, a job. Like they are, they're mm -hmm. doing work, uh, real work that they can see the impact on. So I think that that is something that, um, you know, I have one student who is absent tomorrow and Friday because of a, a personal issue. And mm -hmm. she emailed me last night and was like, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna be missing the hearing. Uh, I've already contacted someone else to take over part of my role. Uh, we're meeting after school tomorrow to just make sure that I, uh, you know, so there's a sense of responsibility that yes. they feel like they can't just not go because it will impact outside of their class or their individual work, their class, and in theory, the rest of the building. I love that. So Peter, what about for you? What, how did it impact you and your desire to, to be in school? Well, on top of what uh, Mr. Reed said, it, it makes you feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself. So like you feel like you're making an impact, an impact on the school community as a whole. So that was like a big motivating factor for all of us that were um, part I of I love it. that. Thank you, Peter. And so uh, let's back it up a little bit, Toby, to the why. So why did you start this in the first place? So in the career technical education uh, programs, there are some that are obviously community facing. So we have a culinary department that runs a bistro where outside people can come in and they can get lunch and it is excellent. And then we have an auto program where people can schedule to get some maintenance done on their cars. And I've always struggled with what exactly is, what, what can I give back to the community? Because legally I cannot just release police officers onto the street. That's vigilantism and is illegal. Uh, and I can't provide legal advice because we're not lawyers. So I was always kind of struggling with that. And then through a variety of uh, fortunate um, opportunities, we just moved to a brand new building uh, paid for by the citizens of Attleboro. And in that building, um, I was given a room that was supposed to be acting as a courtroom. And then I had also the unfortunate ability to have two carpentry students who completely constructed a fully functional courtroom. And it was at that moment that I realized that that room was way too beautiful to just be used for some classroom stuff. So I came in, um, we were in the middle of our uh, criminal justice ethics unit and I was sitting at home and I came in the next day and said, would you guys like to stop doing this and fully design a functioning court instead? And it was unanimous. And I found a timeline that said uh, that Developing this type of thing would take about two to three years and they were graduating. So I gave them like four months and we did it because I was, I was fortunate to have in that particular year, 20 students who were super great, motivated, worked well together, um, collaborated well. And with 20 kids, an hour and a half a day, that's, you know, up to a couple hundred hours of labor a week that I could now use whereas I could not have done this by myself 
had I given 10 years to do it. I love that story. So, uh, Peter, you were involved in that process? Yeah, so it was, um, yeah, it was a long process. We, um, how we did it, it was, so it was myself and another student leader that got like voted by other students. And um, we really just gave everybody tasks. Everybody had something they were doing. Some people were working on documents. Some people were trying to like advertise it. Some people were making the website. It was just, everybody was always had something to do. There was never anyone that was just sitting around. Wow. That is awesome. And everybody just worked well together. It was very collaborative and mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, it, everyone worked together and we also had like smaller groups like of people working with like just one other person, some people even working alone. But when it came to be one group, everyone was still able to work together with their own separate things. that they've done. So when you saw that it all came to fruition, what, what were you feeling? What were you thinking at that point when you saw it all there and in action? I just felt like proud of what we'd done. And like, I knew that it's still gonna, it's gonna continue to last for many years. So I just knew like the impact that I made, like that it was just something truly special that we've done here that you don't always see in schools. So as someone who's pursuing a career in criminal justice, how do you feel this has helped to pave the way for you going forward toward your future? Yeah, so it has definitely helped because um, it gives, it gives a way more in-depth um, view of what really goes on in the criminal justice system. And I think all of us understand it so much better because of it. Love that. And so so talk to me a little bit now, uh, Toby, about what what's happening now? What, what are some of the things that you see happening with it? What are some of the key outcomes that you've observed to this point with the program? So last year we were we, we fully completed it as far as like all of the paperwork and the process and the the the, the procedural aspects of it by around late April or mid-April, and then school committee gave us the ability to pilot it last year. And we piloted it with, uh, we had eight cases that we adjudicated last year. Then this year, we went back to school committee with my current seniors who uh, inherited the project on one level, um, and it's their job to make it actually function. So nice. last year's seniors created it, this year's class is the first one to see if it actually works. So. This year we have, we're up to, um, we have case 15 coming up, 14 and 15 tomorrow. So we took the month of September to kind of organize, make sure we knew what we were doing, know everyone knows their roles. And then we started getting cases. We've been adjudicating two cases a week, every Thursday from October, November, and now into December. And so uh, we've, been hearing cases, we've been working with the assistant principals, we've been running restorative circles with kids and teachers, we've been uh, facilitating uh, written apologies, oral apologies, we've we've been doing all sorts of things uh, this year to make sure that it's it's going to function, as well as having week, not weekly, but monthly check-ins with the assistant principals of what do they see issues of, how can we improve it? So we're always trying to tweak it and get it better. For me, the the biggest thing that I'm, I'm kind of proudest of is that we've had 15, or we will have 15 hearings so far this year. I have not been present in one of them. 
These are 100% student-led, student-run. Uh, the students take care of everything. I, I, I barely even know the kids' names who are being adjudicated. I, I've never, some of them I have never met. So this is a real student-run project. I so love that, Toby. You know, I was talking with a friend of mine that lives on Cape Cod as well. Um, he's a very uh, highly regarded educator. One day he came up to me and he said, Kev, don't you think we need to change the name of teacher? I mean, nothing wrong with teacher. I mean, it's a it's great title and all this, but shouldn't we shift the name to learning engineer? Because in essence, doesn't the teacher engineer the learning of the learners that they serve? And when you describe that, that came to mind immediately because I thought, really what you're doing, Mr. Reeve, is you are engineering the learning of the learners that you serve. So you're facilitating, you're guiding, you're encouraging, but they're doing the work of the learning and it's more um, intrinsically motivated, uh, which is the best kind of learning. So I just love that. You, you did share with me one particular case uh, that was adjudicated uh, that concerned a broken something on a teacher's desk. Would you mind elaborating on that particular case? Uh, sure. So this current crop of uh, seniors, the class of 24, you know, they, I think they bought into the theory, um, but because they were inheriting this thing, they had to kind of hopefully see it succeed. And we were fortunate enough on one level that the, one of the first cases we adjudicated this year, a uh, student had, they were fooling around, two kids were fooling around, they bumped into the desk, the desk hit a box, the box fell and something inside the box broke. Uh, the teacher wrote the kid up for breaking her, her property. Um, the kid opted into youth court, came down. You have to admit that you did it. This isn't a, a, a court where we determine whether you're guilty or not. We, we, you say you did it, we just figure out what is a fair restorative practice for you. And so the kid had to write a formal letter of apology to the teacher explaining that uh, they were sorry and that, you know, they didn't know that it was there and they didn't mean it, but that they understand why it caused her pain that she, her, her cell was broken. Um, we get a copy of the letter. We make sure that it's appropriate and written in a way that's an actual apology. And then we, our case manager escorted the kid up to give the letter to the teacher. Uh, when he gave it to her, she read it and she started crying. And then she asked for a hug. And then the kid was weirded out. Uh, but um, it was like the best possible reaction to this situation because uh, it allowed the teacher to realize that the kid was actually apologetic for what they did and they didn't mean it. And it gave the kid the opportunity to see two things. One, that his actions did in fact affect someone and that that person there, but also it showed the kid that an actual apology matters, that saying I'm sorry can go a long way. Um, mm -hmm. And so the case manager came back and she was very excited <laughs> to tell the class what happened because she thought that it was pretty much the best possible ending for that particular case. I love that. That student didn't know that a hug was part of the restorative justice, no, right? He did not. That was a bonus <laughs> part of the restorative justice process. Um, so, Peter, as you're hearing that story, what, what thoughts are going through your mind, especially as someone who's pursuing a career in criminal justice? Uh, that just like shows the, the kind of um, 
the kind of impact that stuff like this has, like how important these little actions truly are. Um, it just, it, it, like I said earlier, just makes me proud of like what I created and the difference that it can make. I love that. Well, um, so what do you, what do you see in the future for, um, for your youth court? What, what are some of the future goals? And I want to hear from you, uh, Toby, but also curious, Peter, as someone who's left the legacy of this for, you know, classmates that are, um, you know, taking and carrying the ball forward, um, you know, what your thoughts are. But Toby, you go first about what you see in the future with this. Thanks, Kevin. Um, my ultimate goal would be to uh, run a full diversion court through the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So New Bedford and Fall River both run student courts that adjudicate cases that are referred to them by the DA's office or by the police departments. Uh, if we could get to the point where we can do that for the, the much larger community of Bristol County, then that would be fantastic. Uh, we've already met with the district attorney and we've met with the other, some of the other youth courts that we, or the diversion courts to talk to them. Uh, that would be like about a five-year plan. Uh, mm -hmm. If I can retire in about nine years and this thing is up and running, my ultimate goal would be to retire, walk out this door and nothing changes. You know, I don't want this to be running because I'm running it. I want it to run because it's part of what we do at the district, you know, that we, we do restorative practices. We, we believe in this and that although I and Peter and others may have started it, I want it to, to just exist. I want it to be systemic. I love that. You know, I think I shared with you before, uh, before I, I hear from you, Peter, your thoughts on that. I'm a former principal and assistant principal. And as an assistant principal, I was the one responsible for taking care of disciplinary matters for the whole school. And, you know, there, there were times when a student would um, come to the office for a given infraction and I had to call the parents. That was part of the code of conduct. I'd have to inform them and then a form went home with the student and then there was some type of consequence. So uh, I, when I would call the parents, sometimes the parent would come in and then start saying to the kid like, hey, do you want to end up in prison? Do you want to end up in jail? And having these conversations, I'm thinking he threw a pencil. Um, it's not good. I don't want him throwing pencils. That's not a great behavior. We definitely want that to stop. But we're not talking about these you know, more grand uh, consequences. So this idea of the restorative justice approach, you know, to, to learn from these situations and to use it in a positive way um, moving forward for our behavior and for our life in general is something that's really appealing to me as an educator, as a teacher, because that's what we're there for, right? And this is a perfect example of how you're using these opportunities as teaching opportunities, learning opportunities for the students involved in the youth court, but also for that student that has, um, you know, has misbehaved or, you know, um, violated the code of conduct in some way. So and Peter, what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, go ahead, Toby. And for the teachers. And, thank you, thank you. Yes, absolutely. Um, actually elaborate on that a little bit more before we go to Peter. I think that uh, restorative practice is something that gets uh, a decent amount of talking time, but not a lot of actual practice. And so I think, well, 
if we can get this thing up and running in a, in a pretty systemic way, then people will get to see restorative practices that work. And then people will realize that they could do them by themselves. They might not need to refer a kid to youth court to have a conversation with a kid about what harm was done, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that there are a lot of people, parents, teachers, kids, kids in the program, out of the program. I, I really think that this is a, a great place for everyone to learn. Love it. Well, Peter, you want to piggyback on that some? Yeah. So in terms of uh, goals, like uh, Mr. was talking about, I would have to agree completely. I think it would be amazing to see the court um, deal with real cases and real people and use these restorative practices to better not only these individuals, but the community as a whole, Because especially because um, when we started, um, so in the Attleboro Public Schools handbook, they deal with like levels of offenses so it's level one through five we started looking at just small things like level one through three like things that would get like a detention mm -hmm. or something like that but it would be great to see the court grow to cover all these offenses and then grow even more to help real cases yeah, i love that that's a great vision so um i've so appreciated this conversation and i could continue this for several hours uh, but for the um, sake of our viewers, listeners, I try to keep the podcast to 30 minutes or less. And uh, we can always revisit this. And especially if there is an interest in talking further, I may be calling you back for a future podcast or a follow up. But um, I did want to give you the opportunity since the title of our podcast is Just Thinking. Is there anything else that uh, you are just thinking that I didn't give you an opportunity to respond to. So um, so what else are you just thinking? Yeah, that's a dangerous question to ask me because okay. you want to keep this to around 30 minutes. <laughs> um, Go for it, Toby. No, I'll, I'll, so for me, last year, uh, for 20, 24 years of teaching, uh, last year and this year are up there with my top two years of educating. And, you know, I see a lot of teacher burnout. I see a lot of people complaining about the profession these days. And the profession is difficult. I'm not de de demeaning their, their, their feelings or their experience. Uh, but I was, you know, last year, just watching the students do the work um, and trusting them. And then watching this year's students just run it like I'm, I'm running into a problem now where the students are too efficient it's running too well and i don't know what to do with some like the extra time that we have on the day because they're just doing their job in a way that's streamlined and, and great so i've just been thinking a lot about about the idea of just trusting the students about letting them go and yeah giving them the, the, the guidelines, but the, the freedom to develop things and that like, you know, watching them run this thing is, is really, really making, you know, it's, it's making me feel good about my profession. It's making me feel good about my future because my retirement depends on their <laughs> employment. Um, and so, you know, I'm pretty, pretty happy with everything. And I'm just, uh, I'm thinking about how to uh, enact more restorative justice. I believe uh, watching that be efficient is something I'm thinking about, but mainly I'm thinking about the 
the impact it's having on allowing students to make meaningful change in the community. I love that. You know, I, I so believe in the power of first engaging students, which clearly you're doing, um, and then empowering them uh, in the way that you've empowered them. And you said that this is your 25, 25th year of teaching and the last two years have been your best thus far. And then you also said, I'm trusting my students and just letting them go. So I'm, I'm hearing a connection between trusting your students and letting them go and the joy that you feel as an educator. Yeah, <laughs> less work for me. Yeah. That's no, pretty I'm, powerful. I'm, I'm sarcastic, but like, no, because they're doing the work. They are, they, are, they are stepping up and doing it and being able to, to be there to help them and to put out fires and to do some of the logistic stuff uh, is great, but you know we were we were running into some issues this year. We'd never had outside students be jurors, and we had to figure out the whole protocol for that. And I had two students who just stepped up, and they are they are our jury selection team. They they are they are streamlined at this point. Um, and watching them start with not even thinking about it to having a fully functioning system in about a month is pretty is pretty rewarding for me. I love that. Well, let, let's close with the student, if that's all right with you, Toby. So let, Peter, we're going to give you the last word. So what else are you just thinking, Peter? I'm just thinking that um, I'm thankful for, like, Mr. Reed and this whole opportunity because not many kids can say that they've done something like this. And I just know, like, that it's in good hands now and I've done all I can do with it. And it's something that I'm proud of and something that I know is um, helping the Atterboro schools community and just helping make students make better choices and just make the whole community better. I love that. Well, just know that we're all wishing you well with your studies right now and your future career. Uh, feel in good hands. Um, it's, it's clear from just talking to you and meeting you this first time. Uh, what a fine individual you are and, and just a great representative of your community and um, and that Mr. Reed and this program has clearly had an impact on you and the other students that were a part of it. And uh, to Mr. Reed's point earlier, there is a lot of fussing and fighting over some of the stuff that's going on in education today and in our classrooms, but there's a whole lot of great stuff happening. And one of the purposes of the uh, Just Thinking podcast is to spotlight that, talk about the great things that are happening. And you've just highlighted um, one really great thing that's happening. And my takeaway is the power of trusting the learners, trusting the students, just letting them go. They're thoughtful, they're problem solvers, they're creative, um, and, and they can make almost anything happen if we give them the opportunity to do so as you have here. So thanks for being part of Just Thinking, and um, we'll see you hopefully again soon.